<laughs> well, that's kind of an important part of doing a podcast, you know, it's the recording part, you know. I didn't agree to that. I didn't, I didn't sign up for this. Um, it could be worse. You could be you could have gotten jabbed in the eye by a two year old. Welcome, everyone, to the CavsCorner.com podcast, CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the Palatial Franklin States in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, January the 5th, uh, Virginia coming off of a very impressive couple of wins uh, on on the road, um, first up in Syracuse and then last night down in Clemson. Uh, Cavaliers showing some, some signs of life that, frankly, a lot of us probably didn't expect. Uh, once we saw them uh, lose at home to Clemson um, on the other side of uh, the new year. Uh, we will talk about Tony Bennett and uh, his program and the resurrection of the last couple of weeks and um, you know how that has changed not just the trajectory of the season, but certainly our sort of impressions of what this team is capable of and sort of where they are. We will also get into, uh, first we're going to start with some football. Obviously some assistant coaching news is, is broken in the last week or so since we have uh, recorded, so we're going to get into that as well. Before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. First, up in Fishersville, David Spence is back on the show. How's it going, my friend? It's going pretty good. Good to be back. Um, I'm not the defensive coordinator. Who is on the board? Who is on Twitter? <laughs> well, that's a relief. Um, and, uh, <laughs> been loud staff writer, Justin Ferber, also on the program. How's it going, my dude? I might be the defensive coordinator by the time this is over. Um, uh, <laughs> um, I'm just kidding. Isn't I'm much it? more, I'm much more suited for <laughs> defense role TBD, which just seems to be what's going around these days. Hey, you did say um, you were moving to Charlottesville. So, you know, yeah, yeah it has nothing to, it has nothing to do with that. Um, I love that you commented on it. That's the best part. I got you. To yeah, I can, like, I can, I can confirm that I haven't had any discussions with Tony Elliott or Carlos. But Williams have you told? But have you told UCLA program. no? That's the question. Have you told UCLA? No, no? I haven't because they haven't. They haven't, they haven't asked. Yeah, oh, God. it's gonna. That would be a hell of a commute from Charlottesville <laughs> to Pasadena. Um, at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter and Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner, great place for the in-game updates, the content items, and the occasional witty banter. Uh, Damon is is not with us this evening. He um, <laughs> sustained a, a injury to an eyeball and is in an immense amount of pain, so he is taking the night off. Hopefully, he is resting. And should he hear this, I hope you feel better. Um, upper extremity injury. <laughs> upper, yeah, he's, he's, he's doubtful. He's doubtful for the pod. Uh, all right, let's start with football. Obviously, you know, an interesting sort of uh, last what week or so. Um, Tony Elliott obviously is working through, you know, filling out the rest of his coaching staff. He's got his strength coach. He's he's retained three coaches from UVA's previous staff. Um, and then we 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 at least we, we knew there were some names floating out there for other positions, and and certainly it sounded for a little while there like, um. Uh, Lambert, uh, is, why did I why am I blanking on his first name all of a sudden? Isn't it Brad? It's it's Brad, isn't it? 
Um, <laughs> that's actually pretty funny. That's actually great. All right. How would you be? How would how would we expect you to remember something like <laughs> Seriously? that? Seriously, who 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 names their child Brad? Um, but anyway, so and it seemed like you know that was you know kind of where it was. We had heard that you know that the, that essentially before the. Um, before the uh, bowl season, or essentially, or in that time frame, that that it basically was come out that that he that they had a guy lined up, uh, and that his team was currently playing. Uh, and once that team was done, you know, the announcement would come. And, and that what feels like the eleventh hour, Wake Forest came in. Um, there's a family connection with 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 Lambert uh, as to why you know going back to um, Winston Salem might be a. Any. And he was there for a decade. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, right. Obviously, you know yeah. his his background there, but it was certainly a family connection there, in in the uh, Tar Heel State. So, f- so it it certainly does feel like Virginia's hiring defensive coaches right now, without a defensive coordinator, which you know is a little bit different. It's not necessarily the way that you would expect it to go, but at this point, there's an offensive coordinator, and there's lots of, um, you know names of, of guys we don't we don't know specific positions i think at this point ferber give, give us a recap of sort of where everything stands at least as of you know it's eight it's 10 minutes to nine on wednesday evening tell us where 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 things are i don't remember exactly where we left off um did they, had they already done the internal yeah we yeah we had talked r- about the three retainments last yeah, we, time at that point yeah. we, we everything else was just kind of um, you know, floating around. There was not nothing else confirmed out there. It's probably helpful to do the whole offensive side and defensive yeah, side. Yeah, I'm just, and, I'm just yeah. gonna, I'm just gonna start it on offense. <laughs> so Tony Elliott's the head coach. Um, <laughs> um, Des Kitchings is the offensive coordinator, and that's official. Um, you know, he comes from Atlanta Falcons. Um, he was at South Carolina and NC State for a bunch of years before that as running backs coach, and I believe at one point he was co-offensive coordinator there. Um, and they did produce a bunch of good running backs at NC State during his time there, so I think that's a pretty good hire. Um, uh, Hagens is official at some position. Again, like when when they kept him in 2J, they said specifically and sent him um, that they didn't have – like roles would be announced later or something like that. So it's not automatic that they just kept their roles, even though it seems pretty obvious that 2J is going to keep his. Um, Hagens could move because they – it seems like if, if Pete Thamel's tweet is to be believed and he's a good source, um, he broke the Tony Elliott news. Um, if they hire Keith Gaither from army, which seems like it's happening or trending towards happening, he's a wide receivers coach. He has coached running backs, I believe at some stops. Um, but he's mostly a wide receivers coach, which indicates to me that Hagen's could be moving to quarterbacks. Um, just, just trying to make the pieces fit. Um, you don't really, I mean, if you have an offensive coordinator, you're not going to have another coach that isn't like a specific coach, you know, a position. So, um, and I'm assuming Kitchings will be the running backs coach pretty much. So, um, yeah, Hagens, we'll see what his role ends up being. Maybe Gaither does something with like tight ends or something. Um, we'll see. Uh, but we haven't gotten any specific information on that yet. Um, and then obviously if Hagens doesn't coach quarterbacks, then you still need a quarterbacks coach. Um, on defense, Clint Sintom was retained. Uh, Kevin Downing from Navy uh, was hired today. So he was their defensive ends and Raiders position coach. So basically, I would sum that up as a pass rush coach, um, like edge guys. So I think they run, Dave, you know more about this than I do, but I think Navy runs a lot of 425 stuff. So it's yeah. a lot of like edge pressure. 
Um, yeah, and it's a little different than the standard 425, but yeah, it's a, it's a 425. Mm-hmm. And then Centum, according to FAML, um, and I, there's no reason not to think this is right because it's very specific, um, will be moving to linebackers, which was, you know, that was where he was coaching before he came to UVA at Delaware. And I think at Richmond too, um, he was coaching linebackers. So you have those guys. And then also in that FAML tweet, he mentioned that Chris Slade is in line for an on-field coaching role which is a bit of a surprise for me because I thought that they might, I, I was like pretty sure he would be around somewhere because him and Tony have a relationship and he is currently unemployed. Um, so I could, I definitely was expecting him to be at UVA in some capacity. I just kind of thought it would be an off field role. I would assume based on like where he played as a player, uh, he would be a defensive line coach um, in some capacity, obviously with Downing coming over, you kind of have some duplicity there. And then obviously with Sintem already being a defensive line coach, you have a lot of defensive line coaches in the room now. Um, some teams like Clemson, for example, had like defensive tackles coach and a defensive ends coach because they kind of like silo off those two positions. Um, I've seen that done. You also like, like with Navy, you can have a defensive line coach and then you have that like defensive ends Raiders position kind of coach, like basically edge guys. Um, Some teams will split linebacker duties. They'll have inside linebackers and outside linebacker coaches. Um, Some will just do all linebackers. We don't know what the defensive scheme is yet. So like, we don't really know how that's all going to break out. Um, But we do know that Downing is in and Symptom is in um, and Slade seems like he's on his way. So, and Slade, for those who don't know, um, has been coaching at Pace Academy in Georgia, um, big private school. I think they won a state title like five years ago or so. Um, and they've put out a bunch of good players. Um, but he, he left that job, uh, what, like in December or something. So, um, yeah. yeah, so he's, he's available. Um, and so and that brings- hasn't officially announced them, but yeah, exactly. All classmates have. So yeah. yeah and and I mean, like, there's no reason not to think Thamel's right, especially since one of the coaches has already been announced. Um, so that leaves you with a few positions left. We don't have anybody yet lined up for the secondary um that we know of. Uh that can sometimes be split into two positions. Sometimes they'll have like a safeties coach and a cornerbacks coach. Um linebackers it seems like symptom is probably going to get that responsibility but again that can be split into two different groups sometimes and then obviously you still have special teams um that could be an offensive guy or a defensive guy usually a special teams coach is a position coach somewhere else on the field um sometimes it's like tight ends and special teams sometimes it's running backs sometimes it's a defensive coach um very rarely is it like a, somebody's sole responsibility um and then also your defensive coordinator, which is probably the biggest position that has to be filled, period. Um, and, you know, we don't know where that stands. Just because they're hiring coaches doesn't for the positions doesn't mean that, like, they haven't already consulted defensive coordinator candidates and kind of, like, got the green light. Um, I think, like, if you had a defensive coordinator lined up and Downing was part of that plan but didn't have a contract signed, um, you would probably hold off on hiring him until you like have a defensive coordinator on board with that move um, and slate as well. Um, but college is weird. I mean, sometimes the head coach has complete autonomy and it's like, these are your coaches. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens with that, but we don't even know what the scheme is going to look like. So it's hard to know exactly what the breakdown of responsibilities is going to be. I think for me, the the piece that is the strangest in that is not, I guess it's not just that the DC is not named, but it's also that you're hiring coaches 
who, you know, unless you you know what type of system you're finding a defensive coordinator for, um, the fact that they haven't said, you know, any of the specific position, I mean, like we assume 2J is not going to be coaching cornerbacks, right? Um, but, but basically that everybody's sort of, you know, these are the guys in the room. Now, what they're all doing, you know, they're going to get that directive at some point. I, I guess, Dave, let's start with you. Um, I used to joke, cause I, but then I think it used to get on your nerves that you're like the hand ringer in chief of the podcast. Um, I feel like in our private conversations, um, you know, away from the microphones, that you were really excited about some of the things that you heard, and then that momentum stopped. And now I'm curious where, how you feel about what you've heard and seen thus far with the uh, assistant coach uh, decisions. Like offensively, I'm pretty excited. Like Kitchings, I like a lot, um, especially like Tony has. Yeah, I think Tony said he's probably going to call the plays, but my guess is they kind of do it together um, to start. Thamel did Thamel did say that Kitchings is going to be the play caller, but he wasn't yeah. super specific about that. And those yes. duties, like th- that, that stuff is can be in flux, you know. So yeah, and it's just like you know, and in the other head coach who was a coordinator, you know, a lot of times they'll call plays in big moments, and or or the guy or they'll be like, no, <laughs> when the play yeah, comes yeah, in, exactly. they're like. Not the backwards pass, um, right? Uh, the uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, offensively, I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy with who they've, you know, keeping Hagen's obviously is a huge deal. Um, Touje, um, Gaither, if you know, you have to assume, like Justin said, that he's going to be higher too, because it'd be weird for him to be wrong about one of the three. Um, and I think he makes sense. Look, you know, understanding how Tony's offense works, like you know, it's his preferred. Um, personnel is you know is a two back set um so there's an h back that is essentially you know fancy tight end a lot so you could have him look i, I don't think they'll move hagan's from wide receivers i mean maybe i'm wrong maybe he ends up being the quarterback's coach but that seems a little risky um given that the probably the most solid room in on the roster is the wide receiver room like, why would you possibly put that in flux to put yeah. Hagen's at a new position year one? Um, but yeah, I think what Justin said about him coaching in another position makes a lot of sense. Um, so, I mean, I like where they're going. They've got a running back coach. I think you're fine. You know, Kitchings can do that. Elliot did that. He can help with that and get a GA and maybe to help with that. Um, so that's fine. Quarterback, you got to figure out some of the quarterbacks and who knows? It doesn't look like it's going to be Taj Boyd because if it was, was him, he would have, there's no reason he wouldn't have already been on staff. Um, and there, you know, there's some other names out there, but you know, I like where they're heading. Um, I think, I think one thing I went back and rewatched Tony's introductory press conference. Um, are we going to have to call him Elliot on the podcast? So, so it's not confusing, but um, yeah, I mean, if, if if I think in this case, you know, we start talking about football and we say Tony, I think people shouldn't assume <laughs> yeah. we mean football Elliot. Tony. If we if we start to mean if we start to mean Tony Bennett, we're gonna start we're gonna you know refer to him that way. But I think you're okay to say Tony. But continue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, you know, if you go back and listen to his press conference when those asked about his staff, he said, you know, X's and O's are important, but that's not what I'm making my decision on. Um, you know, I'm I'm looking for the right people, um, trying to get the culture built here. So because of that. And he said he wasn't going to rush to make the decision. He's going to take his time and get the right people. And certainly, you know, I think he he has. Um, I like the guys 
like Downing, I didn't know a lot about him. The more I read about him, the more I liked him. There's some video. Like, like if you want to know more about these coaches, all you got to do is go on YouTube and search their name. There's plenty of interviews. Um, uh, you know, Downing is well-respected. He's coached. You know, and I think he, he brings some versatility. And you add him to Chris Slade, who, look, I, I know there's some a, some people who have a little pushback on, on Chris. Um, and I get it. Like, he's a high school coach. He's never coached it at the college level. But to me, like, he's, you know, if they brought him on, he's going to be the defensive line coach by himself. That's a little questionable to me. Um, you know, it's kind of what Vic Soto did, right, as from a GA to there. But, you know, Ruffin was there, too. So, it the first year, at least. So, But having him is kind of – you know, working along with Downing, who's got a little more experience and getting him, you know, I, I'm a little surprised by the pushback from it because to me, like, I don't want to get some big controversy started, but I don't know how everyone could be on board with Anthony Poindexter being the head coach, but be anti Chris Slade being a position coach. That kind um, of doesn't add here, up to let me. Let me diffuse that bomb so you don't <laughs> have to. I think that I, I can see both sides of this, Okay. Poindexter is someone who has coached at the college level for a number of years. He he may not have had, you know, what you might think of as a true traditional sort of coordinator's role in his various stops, but he at least had been around multiple staffs, had coached multiple positions. He had been a coordinator, right? He was a special teams coordinator back in the day, right? Uh, he was, you know, Which co-DC. <laughs> it's okay. You just, my, my, that's not my point. He does have experience. Yeah, I no, I'm, that, I, I'm following you. Uh, yeah. I think the difference here in the folks who, who are upset uh, at the idea of it, right? Chris has, has, was a high school coach and has never coached at all on the college level to, and, and, and look, at this point, I don't think we expect him to be defensive coordinator. If, if that's something Tony Elliott thinks is the right call, He's he. It's his program, right? He has waited a long time. Right, <laughs> my head would explode. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess that Tony Elliott is not making that decision. <laughs> you know, well, that okay. would, well, that that would not be the decision he makes. I, I'm just saying. It, um, yeah, but but it, this kind of speaks to a larger point with that I've been thinking about a lot because it does seem like there's some hand wringing out there. Whether that's you know it's us talking about it or whether it's folks out there. And the the bottom line is is like this man has waited a long time to to be the head coach and whether the pro however the process played out for him to take the job he took the job and he this is his his opportunity on some level he's doing things a little bit unconventional I mean you look at some of these guys and and like they have they there are some you know some some overlap here and there but by and large like this is a completely new staff right um the irony or not it's not that's not ironic it's coincidental the coincidental nature of you basically had an entire staff who came together, which very rarely happens, right? Yeah. And now you're yeah, going to have this that's staff. That's the weird thing. Where like now, like everybody is basically, you know, new kids in school is also very strange, right? Like usually you have some overlap and you have some coaches who come, you know, I, I guess technically speaking, you've got three coaches at UVA who coached on a previous staff. So they're quote unquote together. But where I was going with that, though, is is that I understand the people who look at Slade's resume and go, he can't be coordinator. I don't think the jump from you were a high school coach to now you're a coordinator is quite, uh, at the college level, is quite as big, uh, excuse me, is mu- I think that jump is much bigger than you were an assistant coach for a number of years at the college level and now you're a head coach at your alma mater. I don't think, I, I don't think those two things are the same. But no, I also... No, but- 
But I also, I, I also see the flip side. I think the pushback was him being on the staff at all, which well, to me and was that, just and, a and head I, I think, I think that you know, ultimately, to I forget, was it you, Dave, who brought up the introductory press conference? Like yeah. I, what I heard Tony Elliott say was he wants to bring in people, and I think part of the people, part of that culture, is recruiting. I, I think you look at this staff and you look at these various names and you look at their backgrounds. But they also have a commonality, which is that most of them are younger. Um, you know, you, you look at these guys and you expect them to be high energy, right? You look at them and you expect them to be go-getters, right? Um, a lot of these guys are not, you know, Lambert was a little bit outside of that because he was somebody who's been in this game for a long time. Um, but the idea was that he was going to bring somebody with him in Adams who was exactly the, you know, that to a T. It feels like a lot of these guys fit each other, even if they don't fit each other, if that makes sense. And so I think for me, like when I look at Slade, you know, he he checks off a box for not just recruiting, but there's also that piece of connecting to the fan base, right? One of the big benefits, if we're all if we're all just gonna be honest with ourselves here, one of the big benefits of Anthony Poindexter's candidacy as a potential head coaching option at UVA was because he is Anthony Poindexter, right? Like you take his resume, you take his intangibles, and you put him in another human, and he's just not the same. I, I don't. I mean, the man earned his. You know, he earned his flowers, so to speak, right? And so he was going to get them potentially if he was a coach at UVA, right? People would respond to Dex. Well, you know what? Chris Slade's a big deal. Dude still holds the ACC sack record, and you're not going to come in here and be a good coach just because you were a good player. Ask Michael Jordan. That's not always how it works, right? At, at the bottom line, though, is that in recruiting. That might it might be kind of the way it works, right? Like sometimes you can do a lot of stuff on the recruiting trail on your on your own experience, on who you were. And certainly, you know, Slade goes around in certain places, um, whether that's where he's coached in high school, whether that's where he's from, you know, around the state of Virginia. Yeah. Like that I think that piece moves the needle a little bit. And you look around the staff and there's there's a bunch of young go getting types and I think that's gonna be a big focus, uh, certainly for Tony. And as he's put this thing together. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, look, Chris being on like a, a coach gives him the ability to leave the campus to go recruit. Right. Um, which you couldn't do if he wasn't. And look, you can say, look, you only get 10 positions. Everyone has to be great. Virginia had a running backs coach the last three years. Like what? So you can have a position you don't need. <laughs> right. So it'd be fun. Yeah. I, I mean, make a joke. Yeah. I mean, you're right. <laughs> like um, that actually, I was going to say something about him when, Gaither came up because people were like, he coached at Army, like wide receivers at Army. Like he probably doesn't even know like what he's doing. And it's like, well, he coached at other places. Like <laughs> he put guys in the NFL. Um, and just because the guys aren't used doesn't mean they're not being coached. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of I fall somewhere in the middle. I let me know what Slade's responsibilities are, and then I'll have a better opinion. You know what I mean? Um, if it's like defensive tackles coach, like whatever, like that's fine. Um, if he's calling defense, then, then I'm going to be mad. That's just nonsense. This is also a good um, spot for us to mention there, there, there. So for folks who may not be aware, so there's 10 assistant coach spots, uh, unless the rule changed and I'm yeah, literally it's just 10. Up. Yeah. Okay. So it went from nine to 10 and that's how Vic Soto became a full-time assistant um, back in the day. Um, typically speaking, if you think about 10, usually you, you got somebody in there who's got some special teams responsibilities on top of. You very rarely have a guy whose only responsibility is special teams, and um, and then you've got the other nine. So you can you can do whatever you want, but you get 10. And 
most yeah, of the you time, can have five quarterbacks coaches if you want. <laughs> if you really <laughs> you thought know? that was a good idea. Um, so technically, you know, you could have Slade with the defensive ends. You could have Downing with the tackles, and you could have sent him with the outside linebackers. That's not totally foreign. It just that would use up, you know, a lot. You'd have to have a DC who was also, you yeah. Know, and the, your defensive coordinator is almost always just like your offensive coordinator going to coach a position, right? So yeah, so like that you could yeah you could do what you just said and have your defensive coordinator coach inside linebackers or something or safeties or whatever because i mean Um, you could have a dc who does inside linebackers if symptoms doing outside linebackers and then you have one other person who's just handling secondary completely the difference then would be that your your special teams coach is probably coming from the offensive side of the ball mm -hmm. because i i you're not giving it to slade because he you know i mean uh, hey maybe maybe tony wants to do that i don't know but it, I don't think Drew Meyer is still on staff, right? It Drew is Meyer's yeah, he's still a, so. yeah. You could yeah, because he's still a GA. So I mean, you can still now he can't out. coach on the field, but you know during games, but yeah. And he those guys have, that line. That's and, right. And those guys have limited practice. Like they can't they can't be like involved in a ton of on field instruction and practice. Um, I think because people have gotten in trouble for that for yeah. having like too many coaches. Um, I, I think it's worth noting too. And this is, I'm not, I'm going to say it and it's going to sound like shade, but it's not shade, but like the head coach is, you know, we, we talk about those 10, but the head coach is kind of a big deal. And I think Tony Elliott plans to recruit in a much higher clip. I think Bronco Mendenhall was much more of a, Hey, he goes into, you know, to sort of close. Right. Um, I don't think Bronco was, you know, striking up conversations with kids and really leading recruitments. Right. I, I think the assistants were essentially bringing the 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 kid to him and then he was trying to close it um tony elliott is going to be the lead recruiter on a bunch of dudes all right and that I think staff that does, also did things differently too because they didn't recruit like areas, areas right they positions, did positions which is right. not how it normally is right and we normally, have to sort right. of reset a lot of the stuff because yeah. bronco staff was doing things kind of different very different very different so that's a that's a good point um now do we talk about newberry where where where, where do we fall at this point on him I think he's qualified for sure. Um, I like him so, a lot. I just don't. I don't know that he's a legit candidate anymore. Uh, yeah, if, because if we have like that one. We don't spend forty-eight hours. Or yeah. It also feels like since like whatever it stuff. Um, I forget what the guy's name is. I, I'm gonna. I feel bad. Um, he covers Navy, but he was basically like Navy tried to keep Downing. He's a big asset. It was very complimentary. I would think if Newberry was coming along with him that he would also know about that, you know, <laughs> like, that's a good point. Like yeah, that, that news, that news would be out, you know? Um, and we know that he was a candidate. It's been reported um, like, or it was interviewed or was approached or however you want to, you know, say that. So I don't know. I mean, but like, again, this is just true of the whole search in general. We're not in the room. So like, we don't know what he, we don't know what Tony knows. There could be, I'm just speculating. There could be a coach, that's coaching out his NFL team season this week, like for the giants or some team that's eliminated. And then we find out on Monday that he's coming or something like that. I don't know. Um, Or it could be that he doesn't know and he's interviewing people. Um, I just think that if Newberry and Downing were some sort of like package deal, which certainly made sense on the surface because of their their connection to each other. Um, I don't think you would just be like, all right, like it's not like you're going to like accidentally sign the defensive end coach without the defensive coordinator being on, you know, it's not like they like did it out of order or something. There is the possibility that Tony's just like, I like this dude. I'm hiring him and my defensive coordinator is going to have to figure it out. 
Um, that I mean, coaches do that kind of stuff, especially at the college level. Um, well, we do, we do know that Newberry, like even if Newberry was offered the job and said no, or they went to he might have recommended him. The dude. Yeah, well, we know they consider Newberry. It came up in the article where Lambert was mentioned. Mm-hmm. So, in their homework, they probably talked to Downing to find out about Newberry, and they liked Downing. So I could see Tony saying, "Hey, well, it didn't work out. We decided to go with Lambert. We wanted to bring you on with him." Um, like, I think it's pretty clear Virginia offered Lambert and he said no because of Wake Forest um, and the three guys that have come up. Or more, um, more than likely, he said yes, and then he said, wait a minute, sorry, no. Oh, uh, yeah, Wake came in. And, you know, um, but if you look at the guys that, you know, between Downing, uh, Sentum Staying, and um, Slade, the position you don't have is a defensive backs, which is what Adams was. Um, and then, um, and you Lambert could also hire a, a defensive coordinator that's sort of a focus, you know? Yeah. A defensive back-focused coordinator. So, I mean, I think these guys probably, you know, Slade was obviously a Virginia guy. Um, and then I think Downing, they just discovered during the process. But, look, I mean, I've had people asking me, like, is it weird? Um, and, Justin, you and I may have had this conversation. Like, is it weird to be making all these hires without a defensive coordinator? And I think it is, but – then I look around and a lot of other schools are doing the same thing. Yeah. So this is how I think it goes. We're I just not used normal. we're just not used to it because yeah. you feel like it comes from the top down and like the defensive coordinator is bringing in his own guys. It's like that kind of is the case. But also think about all the times where defensive coordinators have been fired or quit and have been replaced. They don't replace all the other assistant coaches because that guy wants to bring his own guys. Like, I yeah. mean, maybe that's happened at some point, but like Bud Foster retired, right? They didn't fire everybody, you know, like underneath of him and bring in all a bunch of different, actually they promoted from within. So that's a bad example. Um, But you know what I'm saying? Like they, you know, they don't always just like undo everything because it's a a new guy. Um, Like when they, when Bill Lazor left and Steve Fairchild came in, what a blessed day that was. Um, Like I, they didn't make like a ton of offensive staff changes. Right. Like Mm, they kind of just kept it rolling. You know, that's, I, I think that's, and like, okay, so, they also retained Sintum, right? Yep. How do we think that decision got made? That was probably Tony Elliott met with him and was like, I like this dude, let's keep him. It probably had nothing to do with who the defensive coordinator was going to be. So, I mean, I, I think at some level it's like, hey, it's your defense, man. You're going to call it. You you get to decide kind of like – because that's another thing too is he hasn't said where these guys are going to fit. So, like, the defensive coordinator has some say in that. Yeah, and they're still on empty spot. Like the defensive coordinator could theoretically still bring a guy. Mm-hmm. And at this point in the process, that's probably as Mitch look, Virginia's not going to go to a power five school and steal their defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Um that's yeah, that's what I mean. You're point. not you're not getting a guy that's yeah. gonna have some crazy coaching tree anyway. So yeah. like the dude you get probably is gonna be like, I'll take the guys that you have, it's fine. Like whatever. It's yeah, not like kitchen, it's not like Kitching's decided to keep two J. Like, you know well, what I mean? Look, yeah, Tony Elliott and Brent Venables just left Clemson, and neither one of them really took anyone from Clemson. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, you're going to be hard-pressed to bring guys with you if you go somewhere now. Um, so, look, I don't know where it's going to fall. I, I mean, I guess theoretically it could be an NFL guy. Um, and, look, there's some, I don't want to throw any names out there because it gets people – like, there's some guys with connections to Tony Elliott in the NFL. But, like, I mean, 
I mean, the truth is it was going to be Lambert and it's not. So Breaking news, Bill Belichick has, has agreed to become the <laughs> yeah. coordinator at the University of Virginia. But then, he, but then he found out they hired Chris Slade and was like, never mind. <laughs> never mind, I yeah. can't do it. Yeah. yeah. All right, uh, let's let's. I mean, you might, to... you might have I'll a guy. I'll do it for a year or two. You, so. might ha- you might also have a guy out there. This has happened before. You might have a guy out there who Tony goes to and is like, hey, I'm kind of intrigued, but he's like, hey, but I've already picked these coaches. And he's like, I, I don't really want to do that then. Like if I can't pick my guys, but that doesn't mean everyone's going to say that. Like, you know, um, and we also don't know what he, what's going on. So like he might, he might have a defensive coordinator and this defensive coordinator is cool with all these hires. We the just the, the reason, the reason I would say that he doesn't, he probably doesn't right now. It's not a stretch to say that he won't in the next few days, even if we don't right. hear about it. Officially. I mean, yeah, I mean like in the works sort because of, because I think the know? Lambert thing was, was, was clearly we're on the work in the works train was on the tracks and then yeah. it derailed when Wake got involved. And I know for folks out there, like the idea of losing the defensive coordinator to Wake, like the dude to coach there, his family still lives there. Like, yeah, this was a special know, circumstance. Th- yeah, this was like, not like a he thought Virginia's, you know, the McHugh Center was crap and decided to to bolt. Um, but I, honestly, I, I think, the UVA job is probably more attractive in some ways because you're starting with a brand new coach that's going to get some runway. That's right. Um, and you're going to um, have complete control of the defense. But I, I think on, on some level, like, it makes sense to me that that thing was happening. There's a period of time when it's when it went from happening to not happening, where it takes a little while for you to really pick up the reins and, and get momentum with a new coach. It's not like you like had a guy. That guy said, "You know what? Never mind," and you immediately hired a guy the next day, like Carla Williams did in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, but you know, hiring but you have a, a list. You know, you go down the list, right? Yeah. Like, and I, and 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 I think Tony seems to be a, a meticulous type, and so like if he really zeroed in on Lambert and that and that search, you know, he he was looking for other guys, you know, and that search had, you know, he sort of put that down. Well, it take you know, it takes a little bit of time to get the the the, the engine refired. So I, I but he, I, I but I also think that it's very likely that he he had he at this point maybe does have a guy. He's just you know maybe in a position where that guy's still coaching or that guy. Uh, is just not ready to to name it. I do think Taj yeah, Boyd working that, through contracts. That, yeah, the, the Taj Boyd thing seems to have sailed. I, there just doesn't make it. There's no real discernible reason why you wouldn't have been able to announce that one if that one was really going to happen. Which is unfortunate because I I really like the idea of him coming back to the Commonwealth and and rec- and certainly as a recruiter down in that that neck of the woods where he's from. Um, that would have been pretty pretty um, perfect for UVA in a variety of ways. But Dave, I'm sorry, and I think I cut you off there. Yeah, I was going to say like I mean. It seems a little weird to announce, you know, a new defensive hire that's not, you know, sent them right now. But you have to think, like, if you – Virginia's been, like, pumping out offers. Like, even before Kitchings was here, they were pumping out offensive offers, right, to transfers and stuff. They haven't done hardly anything on the defensive side because they only had one dude. Um, so, even if it – you've got to get someone hired so they can actually talk to recruits. So, that, I think that's why Downing got announced today. It yeah. just – like it, you know, it gives Elliot a little more time to make the right decision because he's got someone that can help send him, you know, kind of contact all these guys. And and I think that's why it was done today. Um, and, I will say one quick thing before we move over to hoops. At this point, I do think that the the blueprint for who the DC is is much more like Lambert, right? Somebody with a you know like a long in the tooth sort of guy, somebody who's been around for a while. Um, the one thing that this staff doesn't have is somebody who has like that sort of um, wealth of experience, right? You've got guys who have coached a long time. I don't mean that, but Lambert, because he was a former head coach and because of his, his, his experiences and his stops along the way, he gave you sort of an old hand um, at the, 
uh, at the ready, right? Like somebody that that a new coach could lean on as he's sort of putting something together. I do think that that's, that that would be beneficial for for Tony and his folks as they get going is to have a DC who who has been a head coach at some point at some stop, you know, maybe, maybe not just like, you know, a coordinator at a couple places, but an actual, you know, head coaching stint somewhere like that could be really beneficial, I think. But what yeah, I think he lives in Charlottesville and has a ranch. <laughs> 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 yeah. I think like, I think I've, I said that when they hired him, I mean, like he's a first time head coach that's completely offensive focused in terms of his background. So like you kind of almost do need like a second head coach to run the defense, especially given how bad the defense has been. Um, and all the issues with, you know, guys in the transfer portal and the roster and all that stuff, you need someone with a philosophy. You don't need like a recruiter in chief on defense. Um, like, cause on offense, you have a head coach that can help out with that kind of stuff. Um, but you need somebody that can come in and like scheme, right. You know, not, you, you can, you can fill a staff with great recruiters underneath and, and good teachers, but you need a schemer at the top. And, and I think that was always probably going to need to be the case. Uh, and Lambert, I think, would have fit that mold. I'm sure they'll, they'll they'll be going for guys like that. Newberry, I think, would also fit that mold because he's been a defensive coordinator for quite a while now. Yeah. All right. Let's move over to the basketball side of of the of the road. Um, so I be honest with you. Before Virginia went up to Syracuse uh, the other day and came home with a 74-69 victory over the Orange, I'm not saying I was like ready to write them off or whatever. I just I had no expectations um, in terms of this group being able to sort of flip a switch and be different. Now, coming out of that game, right, Virginia, you know, you're, you're, you're playing that zone, and it's not necessarily the same. Like, it, Virginia had clearly fa- figured out some things offensively. Clark goes for 17. Um, cousin Armand goes for 17. Gardner at 15. Shedrick at 12 and 11. Um, you know, it, it, they, they clearly figured out some things that worked against the zone. I honestly was not expecting then for them to go down to Clemson and do what they did last night, 75-65 win over the Tigers in Little John. Um, Jaden Gardner goes for 23, uh, Franklin for 13. Um, I, it was a very, like, not Virginia-Clemson game in a lot of ways. Because, I mean, typically, like, these these two teams have rock fights, and this was not that. I mean, there were some, some high-level shot-making there for a little while at various points. I think at one point... Uh, the two teams combined, it was like they were like 11 or 12 for like 15 or 16. Um, Virginia seems to have t- figured something out. Now, what I see with my own eyeballs is guys are playing harder. They're cutting harder. They're, you know, they're attacking a little bit harder, going off the glass. Like there seems to be um, maybe an, a sense of urgency, a sense of desperation that that a, the good kind. Right. And it seems to have it played a role on both ends of the floor. Um, certainly Jaden Gardner looks like a very different player the last couple games than maybe he was for the, for the, you know, overall, um, for the, to the, to the games to that point. I'm, I'm just curious, Ferber, let's start with you. Do you, has, has, has these two wins, what do they mean to you? Do they change fundamentally your outlook on this team? Because me personally, I'm looking at, I'm thinking, all right, maybe, maybe they're going to be a little bit better than I thought they were going to be. What's, what's your feeling coming out of the, uh, these two wins? I don't know if I'm quite there yet um, in terms of like believing. Uh, I, I think it was a step in the right direction and that's all it is for me right now. And that's a good thing. Um, you know, both wins are on the road, which is nice. Um, I thought 
So normally, I mean, I've seen a lot of UVA Syracuse games. I know how those normally go for UVA. This didn't feel like that to me. You know, when I was doing the preview, they have a bunch of dudes who can like stretch the defense out. They're like six, eight can shoot a lot of good shooters. Um, and UVA was terrible against zone pretty much anytime we saw it to that point. So I was like, why should I expect them to win that game on the road after they lost by 17 to Clemson? Um, so, you know, going up there and I thought they looked real, the ball moved really well against the zone. Um, a lot of extra passes. Um, and I think that really set everything up for them. And then going down to Clemson and kind of getting them in that rematch was encouraging just because of we, we've already seen those two teams play and how it can go. Um, and it felt like in both of the games, the energy level was up. Um, the ball was moving a little bit better. I saw more initiative on the offensive end. Um, it felt like, especially against Syracuse, UVA was pretty quick to take chances to kind of get out and run a little bit more than we normally see them do, which for this team, I think might be a good thing. I mean, they, they might be able to win more matchups with, you know, more space. So, um, I was encouraged by what I saw in both games, especially um, how they kind of like held off both teams down the stretch. I thought that was, you know, winning basketball. I think that was good to see. I'm just not quite at the point where I'm like, okay, they're good now or anything like that. And I don't think anybody's going to say that on this podcast, but um, I mean, they're three and one in the ACC, but like the teams they've beaten are like five and 10, nine and eight and seven and six or something like that. So, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say like they're, they're, they're back or anything like that. Now, if they go to Carolina on Saturday and like look really good and win, then, then maybe um, we can have that conversation. Um, and the other thing about, you know, the elephant in the room is that, you know, they could win. I don't know. What is it? 20 games league schedule now um, 12 games in the league or 13. And that still might not be enough to get them in the tournament because the league is so down. Um, but, you know, let's just take it one game at a time and see where they are in a week. Um, because I think the next week or so, I think they play tech after they play um, UNC and then they play wake. Who's actually quite good. It seems compared to what they've been in the past, but let, let's see how that goes. And, and then we'll, we'll talk about whether this is sort of a flash in the pan, which we already saw, you know, when they went to, uh, was it Brooklyn or New Jersey or wherever they went for that tournament? Um, it kind of looked like they might've been turning a corner and then they went back to what they were doing before. Um, is it one of those or, or are they actually starting to kind of round into shape as they go into league play as they've done in the past as well? I feel like for me, um, to be clear, I do not, <laughs> I was not ready to like stamp them as good, but I was also prepared to stamp them as something else. And they've changed my mind. I, I think you, you get, I, I think with some teams you, you sort of become like a show me situation, you know, certainly at, at times with Virginia's offense in the past, I felt like, all right, I'm not going to expect them to be able to outscore anybody. So if they come up against an offense that's going to give them trouble, you know, da 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 da. Uh, this group, Dave, to me, feels like one that they, maybe they finally figured out, like not necessarily like how to be like good in in terms of like oh they're going to make the Sweet 16 kind of stuff, but like the roles seem a little more defined, right? They they feel more they look more comfortable. Um, on the court together. Now, I don't know if that's because of the the rotations that Tony has gone with. Clearly, he's he's leaned in both of these two games. He's leaned heavily on his starters, and I think his starters have primarily, you know, played well for him. Um, you know, Gardner had some foul trouble against Syracuse, so he only got 22 minutes. But you know, against Clemson, you got four guys in 30 minutes or more. Um, you know, Kafaro and Shedrick kind of split their time. Statman gave you some nice bump off the bench. 
Um, you know, they haven't played Igor at all the last two games. Um, and whatever they're doing seems to be working. Has this changed fundamentally your sort of outlook for this team? Are you, you know, has your interest been peaked at this point? What's the, what's the, what's the line from DiCaprio from that movie that I can't think of? You had my, you had my, uh, I'm going to butcher it. I'm going to figure it out while you answer the question. And, uh, it's it's from Django Unchained. Yeah, it is. And He's I like, think, I think the line is, uh, you had my interest, but now you have my attention. Yeah. I think but, yeah, in like a terrible Southern accent that yes, I'm not Yes. Do. It's terrible. <laughs> um, but do you, I'm just curious, like, do you yes. feel like they've, these two games have really changed the way you view this team? Um, for right now, a hundred percent. Like, you know, um, <laughs> you're no longer, you're no longer worried you know, when you, when you, you know, when, when Clemson like rolled him by 17 at home, um, rough. after rough. they had like, don't forget, you know, Virginia's was one to know in the ACC, but it took a, it was almost a gift win they got to get that. So, um, look, we're, we're yeah, against like the Virginia. worst team in the league. <laughs> yeah. Who almost just beat Louisville's mom, but, um, you know, it's, uh, Look, I mean, I think we're all spoiled as Virginia fans. Um, like, I mean, we, we've seen what's on Twitter when they lost and how people are going off. Like, we've said similar things. We're just not dumb enough to put it on Twitter. Like, you know, be angry in a private setting. Um, that's okay. Be that's what fans are. Be angry in a private setting. <laughs> be yeah. angry to yourself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look. But don't question the guy. Like, Tony Billett's a hell of a coach, and if he hadn't proven it to you now, like, you must be, like, 22 or something. Um, or you're just like, stupid. if you don't think he can coach i mean you can there are i have like plenty of issues with like the roster construction stuff but like if you don't think he's a good coach then you're just yeah let's 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 take a let's take a brief pause to talk about this because i actually think this is very interesting so there seems to be this like i don't know compulsion that people have like i did not like tony's rotations for like a third of the season right i I wasn't a fan it wasn't wasn't cur- I was I didn't understand why given what I was seeing from the other dudes why you know Tane and, and Igor weren't playing more right that doesn't mean just because I'm like you know have the audacity to you know to, to to look at the rotations and think like why aren't these dudes getting more burn right uh, or to look at the roster and say like gosh the, you know some of these pieces don't really fit together like I understand like they lost three games in five you know and that's not necessarily a thing that Virginia basketball does more you know a lot, a lot. but like realistically. Like you can question like why a coach is doing a thing and think that he should be doing it differently without saying the dude can't coach. I don't know if this is like a thing that Virginia fans just do or if this is universal across fan bases and we just don't see it because we're primarily embedded in this one. But like you can question a coach without thinking like the coach should like not coach. You know what I mean? Like clearly there are times, you know, when the past where we have questioned coaches that we didn't think should be coaching. Tony Ben is not one of them, right? Like we can say like, hey, I don't really get this and this doesn't seem to be working without thinking the guy can't coach. And I don't understand why people immediately jump to that other thing. It's like it, it's like there are certain folks who think that like if you dare if you dare question anything that he does, that therefore, you know, and I, I never get it. Like come on, let's 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 be real. Like the, the man's he's great he's a great coach. He's going to end up in the Hall of Fame, and I don't want anybody else in that job other than him i love his i love what he does i love his program all of it okay but like he doesn't it's not like if you if you think like the rotations aren't good or you think that like oh you know his whole thing about sitting guys with two fouls like is a thing that maybe he should stop doing like that doesn't mean that you're saying the guy can't coach and i don't understand why folks jump to that conclusion and then just like you know pretend like they got the high ground 
Like, no, you do not. Like, it's ridiculous. There's like, different camps, it's too, because it's like some people, some people are like, it's not, you're not allowed to criticize them because they want a title. And then there's people that are like, um, they want to like fire him every game. And then there's, yeah. and then there's yeah. people in like, like me in the middle that I'm like, he's a really, really good coach, but like they might not have done a very good job of recruiting for like four cycles in a row. Um, and I think, and which, I think which is like which is like irrefutable almost. right yeah I mean if you look at it you go yeah that's you know they were saved by some transfers certainly yeah right which a lot of and, programs can say now because you know everybody's yeah. taking transfers and look you can also but, I mean they, at, they scored 49 points at JMU like yeah. it's not yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah and yeah. you can look at this class they just signed and you're like okay you know like this yeah is a, this is a great I'm not group, worried you know like this is what but this is kind of what this is what Tony does right he has a great class and then they have some success and maybe uh, he he's looking for guys. It's a little harder in his system at times to to recruit better players because other guys are going to be there. They also had something that has been new to the program for them, which is guys leaving early for the for the uh, the NFL for the for NBA. And like that, I think did change their calculus a little bit. I think that mm-hmm. they they have historically been you know they wait three four years to really like need to reload the cupboard and of course so, it yeah. is. and then you yeah. had COVID follow that immediately and we that's know true. Tony's yeah, that's a, a good point. eyes yeah. on guy you know only he's not going to offer you because you're a five star he, he needs to know you um so yeah it's just you know perfect storm but they like you can criticize like yeah I've I've criticized like I like Igor a lot I like um Tane a lot um I've wanted to see him play more the funny thing is like when when you bring that up whether it's on a message board or Twitter like it turns into like in the replies, it goes from like, well, they can't recruit either. And he hadn't done crap since McKay left. <laughs> it was like, what the hell? No, yeah. it's fine. <laughs> yeah. No, he just needs me. I would like you to just go one level lower into hell. Bizarre. Every, yeah. every response is just one level closer to the yeah. seven circle of hell. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think watch, you know, and you know, getting back to the original question, like, I mean, I feel better about the team and some of it has to do with like, look, they, their defense hasn't gotten a whole lot better. Like, you know, they yeah, gave up currently basically 50 the same second to Clemson. nationally in uh, just a deficiency, which is, yeah, I mean, they gave up which 67 is to Clemson and a it was like point loss and 65 and a win, yeah. you know? So it's just, it's the offense has gotten better, but this team is so new, you know, right? Like, you know, Shedrick's never really played this kind of minutes. Kafaro, you know, he, he's same role, but um, with, with Franklin and, and Gardner being such a big part, they, you know, they're new to us too. So we, as fans, when, when those guys come out and start the season and Franklin was really trying to get his three, three going. And like when that wasn't falling, you know, that's a waste of possession for a team with limited possessions. And then Gardner, I think took a while to kind of understand how much effort you have to give every possession for this defense to work over the course of a game. Um, so when, when you don't, when you see those guys not doing it as a fan, you don't have a history with them. You're like, Oh crap, that's just who they are. And I'm never going to figure it out. And if anything, I think I texted you guys last night. Like whatever Gardner did over Christmas break, like that dude's different. Like he he, yeah, is, he does. He looks different. He is like he is hustling his tail off. Like he had moments of that, but he is like, you know, he understands now. I think and and the offense is you know Franklin now is coming a foot inside the line. Like he's an elite mid range guy. You know, still um, the three point shot. You know, I think taking them when they're open is fine, but. I think you know early in the year a lot of that block remover stuff when the ball went into went into Gardner and went into Shedrick, it was you know the the play off of that was a Franklin three and now it's a, a slasher you know so I think it makes the the offense a little more versatile um, and that's what they're going to have to be they're, they're this is not going to be a um, 
COVID year defense, right? It's going to be honestly from this, I think their efficiency numbers are probably the worst since 2013. Um, right now, like they'll get a little better, but they're not going to be elite defensively. Um, but offensively, what were they, they last be year? Uh, better than they are now. Much <laughs> I remember. Um, All right, wait, I just remember they, they had some up. they had some issues last year too, though, right? Yeah, last year wasn't great. Last year, overall, Ken Palm. I'm looking at it now. This is great podcasting. They were 19th. Yeah. Defense was 38th last year. I mean, 36. 36. 17 offense, 36 yeah. defense. Yeah. This year, they're... It's so crazy to me to see that three-point percentage. Uh, last year, they were, you know, 37 and a half. And this year, <laughs> you know, they're... God, 30, the offense was so bad two years yeah. ago. 234. Yeah. yeah, we're 78 and 52 this year, offense yeah. and defense. So. Yeah. That defense is definitely not elite, but yeah. But I will say one thing that I think is interesting: they're top twenty-five in both two-point percentage defense and block percentage. They're top ten, which is a lot of that's obviously uh, Shedrick free throw defense too. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Which is like Virginia's, uh, you know, field goal field goal goal defense. But listen, and if you look at their offense, it's like they're really good at shooting twos. Yeah, and like like below average at threes, and it's like I think they've sort of. They've shot and I mean, I know it's not analytics basketball, but like they've taken more mid range jump shots yeah, in these yeah. last two games. And and I think they're actually playing a little faster, right? Like I don't think they're playing like considerably faster, but I think they're playing a little faster, right? I mean, look, against Syracuse they're at one point two points per possession, right? Which, you know, is not great like in terms of like the fastest, most, you know, amazing offenses ever. But for this one to be there was was a good sign, right? And then you you get to to um, God was that game last night? That feels like it was like a year ago. They're at one point two seven, which I mean, listen, Clemson has a little bit of a different team, but Brad Brownell they typically they play a pack, you know, sort of style. Like I said, usually these things are rock fights. So for Virginia to play as well as as they did in both of these games, considering the defenses that they're playing, that I think that does bode well for them. And I think you're right. The two point piece of it is is important, like. Kihei Clark is by far their best three-point shooter, which is a thing I still can't believe is a thing. But you can see, as folks were talking about like last night, like you can see the work he put in in the offseason with his with his jumper because he gets that thing off. Like I don't want to say it's like just faster because that doesn't really underscore. It. I mean his 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 wind up, so to speak, was just really slow. His mechanics have 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 really accelerated, and I don't know if that's necessarily getting him better looks or if he's just you know in a good rhythm with it, but. I mean, I've gotten to the point where, like, he, you know, I really like him taking that shot, but I don't really like pretty much anybody else doing it. And if Franklin's going to start, you know, can continue to shoot those mid-range jumpers, I, I think that's really good for them. Um, the the problem that they're going to run into is that, you know, I, I think that teams are going to, you know, they're going to sag off Beekman. You know, Clark is making you come out to him more often, but the action that they're running. You you, sh- you don't want to start leaning too heavily on the mid-range stuff because you don't want to clog things up for Gardner. Um, you know, he does need that room to cook a little bit. And I thought these two games, he just did a really nice, they did a really nice job of getting him his space. And he, like you said, he just felt like a different dude. And when it's funny, it's like, we talk about Virginia basketball a lot and we say like, they only need like, you know, it was like that one year. It's like, man, they made like two more threes a game and they'd be a completely different team. Like when Gardner's in like beast mode, when he's like attacking and, and he's able to kind of sustain that energy on the other end too. Like they are, they're a very different team. Um, especially, you know, because Shedrick, I think he, defensively, he's de- definitely taken a step offensively. 
you know, if he can clean some stuff up around the rim, um, you know, in this game against Clemson, he scores eight. Um, you know, he pulled in six rebounds. Um, you know, he's a he's a formidable piece, and I think you know they're gonna need they're gonna need like those little contributions from everybody in order for them to continue to you know to keep getting you know quote unquote better. Um, but ultimately, I think it's all about comfort. They 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 look like guys who played basketball with each other earlier in the season. They didn't always look like that, right? Like they just look like, hey, here's just a bunch of dudes, and you can't be a bunch of dudes in the ACC. You just can't. Yeah, I mean, I think if the, if there's one thing this team could do, which I don't think takes a you know a drastic you know, change, is they just need to stop fouling. Um, like they're getting into foul trouble a little too much for a Tony Bennett team, uh, which. You know, it tends to be Gardner and Shedrick and, and Franklin even. Um, you know, guys are kind of getting more minutes this year. And and that makes a big difference. So, you know, if it's letting a play go here or there, just not reaching, hopefully that'll get a little better because that, like, when this team, when those guys are on the bench, like, obviously, when all three of them had to be on the bench, it's a whole different ballgame. All right, last thing before we, we wrap up, um, you know, tonight. You know, it's been – <laughs> It's funny to me that, you know, they've gotten these two games, um, you know, on the road because typically the, the way this works is that when Virginia needs to sort of get right, you know, it's because, you know, they've been home and they've – but, like, this team is just not like that, right? Like, I, I'm not sure why, but it's just not. So you go to Syracuse and win. You go to Clemson and win. Now, can you go to Chapel Hill and win? Saturday afternoon, 1 o'clock tip-off, ESPN – um, I'm not sure what exactly Carolina is doing right now um, because I don't have that in front of me. They're down five. Um, They're losing to Notre Dame. Yeah, four four minutes and change before the half. Um, but that Carolina team, I don't know what to make of them. And this is going to be a very weird thing to say given what I've seen from Virginia basketball this year. I feel like Virginia is the team I know better. I mean, like I feel like they sort of have kind of not, I don't want to say figured it out, but they're figuring it out. And Carolina still seems to be a little bit of a work in progress under year one with um, Hubert Davis. What do we think about Saturday's matchup, right? Like how, how are we feeling about Virginia going down to the Dean dome um, and being able to come out and with a third ACC road victory in a row? Uh, Ferber, let's start with you. Yeah, I'm not super optimistic about it. Um, I think Carolina is a step up, a considerable step up from Syracuse and Clemson. So, and you're on the road. Um, I'm not saying they can't do it. And, and UVA certainly has had their fair share of wins at Carolina and against Carolina in general. Um, I'm just not expecting them to do it. Uh, I, I feel like this feels like a kind of game where UVA is going to have to shoot the ball really well from the outside um and maybe they will but i wouldn't bet on it um i expect carolina to win and and maybe by um i'm not saying they're going to blow them out but i don't i don't necessarily i would i'm going to write the preview um <laughs> so i guess i could just do it there but i would say carolina wins by like 10 yeah i was thinking you know line of like six to seven probably because i don't think the garcia kid is i mean he's out with a concussion right now so i don't know where he is and they the have a couple of covid yeah, and, but at, at the same time, like they still have some 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 good pieces, you know, like I think that's the part with this whole ACC season is like you're never really sure like what version of the team you're going to play. You're going to get because, you know, guys are in and guys are out. Um, you know, Carolina, obviously, it, you know, they've got talent and they brought in a number of you know, grad transfers or just transfers in general, rather, um, you know, whether you're talking about, you know, obviously, Baco's pretty good. The Manic kid. Seems to be playing pretty well. Um, 
you know, at, in spots for them. Um, I guess this is the, you know, I don't think he's going to be available because of COVID protocols, but the, the Justin McCoy revenge game, um, so to speak. Um, Dave, how, how are you feeling about this matchup in Carolina on Saturday? I, I mean, I'm trying to, did we beat them last year in February? So is it a seven game win streak we have against them? Oh, that's a good question. Here, you keep talking. Sounds like it sounds like you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I knew we had a like I could find the article real quick. I, went, I knew we had a six game win streak going into our game last year. Well, um, I know I that I know that I know that yeah, UVA hasn't lost to Carolina since 2017 or something. Okay. Um, yeah. Because because there was the I think it was Caroline Darney actually who tweeted that if you went to Carolina for like the last four years, you haven't seeing them beat UVA in football or basketball. Obviously that ended this football season, but um something crazy like that. I think yeah, it's I mean, like the last loss it's 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 six. Uh the last loss to Carolina uh is um is uh Saturday, February the eighteenth. Uh I remember it was bad. 60, 65-41. Was that the was that the game where Virginia made one three pointer in the game? No, it was it two. Was they were bad. two for twenty. Yeah, they were two for twenty. Perantis hit one. That was like a that was like a Saturday one. night like primetime game. Yeah. <laughs> it was real. But then they beat him like a week later. Yeah. Well, yeah, that was the thing. Is it like, yeah, so they lose to him and then they also lose to Miami in overtime at home. And they come back, they win in Raleigh by fifteen, then they roll Carolina by ten at home, and they finish the season with the win um March the fourth of uh twenty seventeen, sixty seven forty two. I, I, like I'm, I've turned into like a the sports almanac here. Yeah, I was um, gonna say we're just running to 2017 now, so, season. You know, yeah, yeah, we're five calendar years away from that. So yeah, um, yeah. look, I, I think it'll be a good game. I don't know what Carolina is either. I'm watching it right now, and I can't even tell you what they're doing. Um, it looks like kind of what you see from Carolina. I have seen it from the last few years. Like if if they're making their shots, they're going. If if they struggle, it kind of turns into a crap fest for a little while. Um, I mean, I think. Look, I, I expect it to be a tough game. Like, I wouldn't be sh- shocked if Virginia won. I probably wouldn't bet on it. But because my, I've got a birthday party for my daughter at 1 o'clock on Saturday, I'm not going to be able to watch the game. I'm going to I'm gonna guess Virginia wins. <laughs> I like 40. Right, yeah, it'll be epic. It'll be like Richard Morgan and you all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, what's fun about it is, is like, if you think about it, if they go to Carolina and we're, we're you know, to get a win – you know what that means for them in the ACC, right? Because um, they they obviously they come back at home next next week for for Virginia Tech, which I'm guessing we will. I don't know. The storms we'll, coming to Charlottesville. Oh man! And then they go. Then they go to Wake. Hell, what happened to like Wake Forest used to be terrible, and now I turn around like Wake Forest is good. Like that was I, Miami. Uh, it's wild. Man. It's wild. Well, that's very true. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Wake's got a couple. Of Florida State. The Florida bounce. State's bad. They are bobo. <laughs> they are terrible. Right. And I don't know what. I, look, guys. I don't know if Kevin Keats is going to make it to 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 next season. I mean, that group. That thing. They're way more talented than they have shown. I have no idea what to make of Louisville, other than like most nights they're going to just frustrate the hell out of you and not in a good way, like not in a, in a, in a successful way. The only thing I feel like I know about the ACC is that Duke is pretty good. And, uh, the Bancaro kid is well worth the hype, but otherwise, I mean, yeah, like the, the league is just sort of topsy turvy, right? Like you, 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 you can't expect Florida state to be any good. Miami's good. Um, Wake Forest is good. I have not watched a single second of Boston college do anything. So I don't know about them. 
Um, Some of these teams are exactly the same every year, though. No matter what. Yeah, that's like, true. I'm watching. I'm watching Notre Dame, and they're seven and they're winning. They're seven and five, one and one, and I'm like, yeah, that's exactly Notre Dame every year. Like yeah. Yeah. they lose like a bunch of non-conference games, and then it's like, oh, they're kind of on the bottom of the bubble, and then they just, they, you know, they lose to Wake or something. Yeah. Um, and then like well, Syracuse, keep... they're the same way. It's like they're like yeah. nine and six. It's like, oh, that's uh, you know, just Syracuse, Syracuse is another one. Like how are, how are they bad? Like how how I mean, and I guess they're not bad, but like how are they not better? Yeah. I guess is the better too thing. Too many, but that. too many. Yeah, too many Bayhams. Yeah. yeah. As as the Bayhams turn. Um, so yeah. Anyway, we'll we'll talk about all of that next week. Apparently, they all look like me. No, yeah. just and okay. Look, look, we need I, to, no, no. Hold on, wait, wait. We need to get this straight. <laughs> oh, you yeah. do not look like Buddy. You look like Jimmy, or Jimmy looks like you. He's technically younger, so you came first. Like one day, I'll look like Jim. God, I hope. Yeah, not. that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Oh, you better, you better well, get some. That's what you're implying. That's what you're no, I'm not. implying like, I, about Ferber. No, I'm not. I'm implying that Jimmy Beheim walked in here. I'd be like, Ferber, what are you doing? Like, it's it's actually kind of freaky how much he looks like Ferber. Like, I'm sorry. If you're out there, if, unless you're driving, don't do not do this if you're driving. Look up a picture of, of Jimmy Beheim. And, sorry. Yeah, no, I, I, not not his dad. Not Jim. Sorry. Tweet tweet pictures of, of Jimmy Beheim <laughs> at Damon Dillman. <laughs> Send it to David. Yeah, it'll make his eye feel better. All right, let's wrap it up. I think that's a good place. Um, we've done an hour and change now. Um, and I feel like that's like the sweet spot for how long we can talk about UVA sports before people tune us out. Um, anything else for the go to of uh, the order before we wrap up? Great. I love we how through, I asked we got through the whole we got through the whole podcast without them hiring a defensive coordinator. So well, you know what? The, the you know what the the thing doesn't really go live until the morning, so we'll see. Um, but you, can you imagine if they like released a, a like a one of those Tony Elliott videos at like six fifteen in the morning, and he's like standing out in front of the McHugh, and he's like, "Hey, look <laughs> how look, look, look out! His look key, at the snow on top of this crappy building." Um, I will his say, key real card quick, still doesn't work. He's kind of he's just standing outside. Herbert <laughs> and I were talking he, about this earlier. Are they gonna not let him go in the building? He's Every gonna, video, like I the think, press I conference think, is outside. I, 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 his I videos are outside. I think it's a COVID thing. I think they're trying not to shoot a lot of stuff inside. Well, I think I think it was a power thing the last two days. Um, oh, that makes yeah, sense. probably that too. Yeah, that makes sense. And <laughs> what was the joke, Ferber, about the bookshelves? Oh, they had to remodel <laughs> yeah. to take had down to remodel, all the Yeah, all the books. <laughs> I was just blown away when there was like the video of him going into me with Bronco in his office, and they just have like shelves all up and down the walls. I'm like, who did this? This room could yeah. have been so much bigger if they just ripped yeah, all these out. Fair. I also love, like, I, I will say real quick, I did think the videos are cool. Like, he's not saying yeah. a whole lot, but it is good to get get him out there and, like, people can see him, like, basically being himself. Um, like I said, he's not, he's not, he's not like. Bronco wasn't cutting any videos. Yeah, that's, yeah. I, I do think that you can do a lot more, and I think they probably will do a lot more with this new staff um, than they did with the old, but. Um, we, at some point, we need to talk about how weird it's been to watch the the old coaches. Like, I guess maybe this is a Twitter thing because like guys on 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 London's last staff didn't exactly have like tweets. You know, it just feels different now than it did then. But it's just weird to watch these guys like get new jobs and be like excited. <laughs> And, uh, I was gonna make a joke. I was gonna say, well, also those guys didn't get new jobs. That's true. But... <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah, some of them went to sell insurance. Um, anyway, all right, let's let's uh, let's get the people out of here. If you are somebody who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, or wherever it is that you get your shows. And if we're not, if you find a service and we're not there, um, let me know because we should be there. Um, it's like my. Um, my, the bane of my existence when I find another one that we aren't on. Now, if you're somebody who's found the pod, has not given us a look at the website yet, you can check us out, calvescorner.com. 
let's see. Right now, Damon's got um, you know a story about the the team finally trending in the right direction, kind of suddenly. Uh, we got some updates on the hot board. Um, the, all of the offers, like that, it was like every five seconds there was a new offensive line offer. Um, so it's been a very productive, um, you know, few days or whatever for for Tuesday as he tries to search for for guys to replace dudes who have left. Um, Damon had a, a nice look back at the top moments for UVA athletics in 2021, um, and uh, so yeah, there's lots of stuff obviously coming up, and we'll. You know, Ferber mentioned the preview for Saturday's game, so it's all coming up. Uh, I want to say real quick my thanks to um, MyPerfectFranchise.net for their support of the show. You can visit their website for more information on how you can find freedom in your next venture and discover the perfect franchise for you. And I want to thank everybody else out there. If you are listening to the show, I very much appreciate it. The, the first one of 2022, um, hopefully not the last. Uh, we'll, we'll see if, if I get any thumbs to the eye. Um, I want to thank Dave and Ferber for giving graciously your time as always I very much appreciate it so for David Spence and Justin Ferber I'm Brad Franklin publisher of CavsCorner.com thanks for coming out see you soon